Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, joined by Andy Shea. We'll have Ross Tucker along a little bit later. Uh, And announcement here, Andy. Today we are beginning Ross's series on the class of 22. So he's going to do his reviews. And we are starting with the quarterback position. So he's going to talk to us about Drew Aller and Bo Prabula. You don't want to miss that. And, of course, in quarter number three, we have our Ask Ross segment. But, Andy, how about we start with the news first? Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Jim. I'm sorry. You caught me there on a, <laughs> on a pause. But good, good to be with you. Uh, I'm, I'm always excited for Ross's classes. He's going to rank them, right? Or he's going to rank them like he traditionally does? Yes. That's exactly it. He'll yeah. give a ranking to each individual player. When we're all done, we'll get that in order. So that will be fun. But you and I are going to start with the news of the week. And the first tidbit of information is Sandy Barber, athletic director or vice president of intercollegiate athletics or whatever they want to give as the title. She will be moving on as of this summer. Any surprise there hearing that announcement, Andy? Yeah, Sandy's going to retire. Um, I, I think, I thought she might stay around and do it, you know, a decade. She, she, she's been at Penn State for eight years. It's a couple years, but, you know, it's her time. She's had a, you know, a long and distinguished career. She started in athletics. Good gracious, back in the, <coughs> excuse me, early 1980s. Um, she started her collegiate career, so she's had a very long and, Excuse me, water. Uh, illustrious career. She, you know, she was at Northwestern, Notre Dame, Tulane. She, she has been responsible at Penn State for facilities. Like I think her legacy. <coughs> excuse me, her legacy is going to be facilities and what she was able to do. COVID had slowed some of that down, obviously because of funding. But what she was able to get going and get started. I think is I think in terms of Penn State football, I think she she was hired right after James Franklin was hired. She started in you know was hired in 2014. Later in the year, he was hired in January of that year. I think she's been an ally. I think Penn State fans will remember her for helping James expand the coaching staff and sort of working on that front to in terms of the athletic department. And she will ultimately be remembered as the guy who gave James Franklin. As the athletic director, it's a university decision. We all know that. There's, it's just not Sandy's decision, but it's on her watch as the you know director of athletics or whatever the title is. She will be known as as the uh, as the individual who um, was on her watch was the one that James Franklin got the contract from. That is ultimately. I'm not saying that's a Negative or a bad thing? You could take that for you, what you want as a Penn State fan and digest it, but I think that is sort of one of the things that she will be remembered for. You gave what you thought would be her legacy as far as you're concerned, the facilities and the decision to extend uh, James Franklin. How do you think the uh, fan base 
is going to remember her. So Sandy's, I think Sandy is, Sandy's a really nice person, right? Like Sandy's a good human being. I like Sandy. I had, I had some dealings with Sandy. I actually, I like Sandy a lot. I think she's a good person. I think the Penn State fan base will remember her as not trying to rock the boat. She did it under the sort of the Penn State way. And she was, I, I do think they will remember her as somebody who um, had to deal with James Franklin. However, his legacy plays out. She will be the first one. She will be the first one. If James stays here for 25 years, say, for example, she will have been the first athletic director that James worked with in the early part of his career. So that's the way I think the Penn State fan base will remember. They should remember as a as a good person and who really, really understood the nuances of a- athletics in an athletic department and sort of how to maneuver and do get some things accomplished that weren't splashy, but were overall big picture were really, really important. I suspect your take is perhaps a bit more generous than it will be with the the overall fan base. Um, I, I think there are times where there, there are those who look at the economics of it and see, you know, the associate athletic director, the being uh, hired about the 53rd assistant or associate athletic director, and we wonder what all of them do. Um, and, I, you know, the facilities, I believe there was the master plan that came out, right. what is it now, five, six years ago. And people are still wondering, you know, where is that? What's the status? It certainly hasn't uh, progressed the way some of the indications were when it first came out. But um, on that, we're going to get to facilities here in a second. I want to ask you about that. It would have been a good segue. But my last question on the athletic director, it means that we do need to see a new AD hired at Penn State. What are you looking for in the next athletic director? So that's an interesting question. I I always view athletic directors as short, sort of a – I always view – this could be – okay, you're, you can judge me. If you want. I've always looked at them as kind of a necessary evil position at the university level, like it's something you have to have. And I always worry when there's an athletic director – transition especially at a major university because athletic directors and particularly when it comes to football they like their people right like James is Penn State's choice they have to find an athletic director who also thinks James is the right person for Penn State because athletic directors like especially when it comes to football they like their person they like they want to hire their guy wherever they come from or wherever they've been They've always got a guy that they sort of bring to the table. I don't know. Does Penn State need that? I don't think so. Maybe some of the fans think they do. Like, you know, we need to get a new athletic director who's going to hire a new coach, right? But I think they have to look for somebody who is not going to have a priority of turning over the football program and building it in their image. That is what ADs sometimes are hired to do. Well, it's pretty obvious, you know, Penn State is tied to James Franklin. 
anyone coming in has got to allow for that to be the case. Men's basketball, there's been a recent hire. Looks like a pretty good hire. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to touch the wrestling coach. There's been a recent hire for, you know, women's basketball. So it may be a lot of the other things, the economics, the fundraising, NIL, uh, building a new facility. So there's a lot of other things off the field itself that that new athletic director is going to have to handle. It'll be an interesting search. Um, We've been dancing around facilities here a little bit as we've been talking AD, Andy, which leads to, I believe it was about a week ago now, that Penn State put out the questionnaire uh, to a segment of the fan base talking about a new stadium or upgraded Beaver Stadium. And one of the questions, it was worded in such a way, I think essentially, hey, if the finances are no different, right? what would you as a fan advocate? A, a new and an improved Beaver Stadium, an upgrade, or a whole new stadium? What do you think of the question, and what would be your answer to that? So I've thought about this since you mentioned it to me as something we're going to discuss. And I, with the finances being equal, you, 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 you level Beaver Stadium and figure out plan B and build a new stadium. It, it's not an iconic venue. It's an iconic destination for college football. But the stadium itself, it is not an iconic venue. It's a bit of a mishmash sort of ugly duckling, if you ask me, that it's just, it's kind of cool because it stands out and you can see it from the roads and it's huge and, and all that stuff. But it's not an iconic stadium. Penn State is an iconic and must, you know, can be a bucket list football attend a game uh, destination, but it is not an iconic stadium. So if the money's the same, blow it up. You know, I mean, when they added the, you know, they put in the upper decks, obviously, and then they added the suites and all of that and the renovations. But you've walked in the ba- in the bowels of that stadium. It is a sort of architectural nightmare, sort of navigate. It's a bit of an ugly duckling. If the finances are the same, build it. Like, you know, in the last few years at Notre Dame and Texas A&M, those are iconic venues. You know, Kyle Field and Notre Dame Stadium are iconic venues on their own. They had renovations done. $400 million for renovations, but those were iconic venues. This isn't an iconic venue. You know, Ohio State a few years ago did upgrades. They have an iconic venue in the Horseshoe already on campus. Theirs was $40 million. You have to look at the economics, but I think if the economics are the same, blow it up. I'm, I'm on the blow it up camp and start it over. It creates some logistical nightmares, but there's no reason to keep that and try and continue putting lipstick on a pig. That's just my opinion. I'm with you, Andy. I mean, the stadium itself looks like an erector set, and essentially it is. Lego? It does have have some history to it. For those who don't know, years ago the stadium was on the other end of campus. They literally took that stadium apart, moved it to the east side of campus, rebuilt it with additions to make it larger, and it's been growing ever since. There was an era, uh, and I was in school at the time, I think around 1980, where they 
there was recent there was previously a running track around the football field. They built the new track. They came in to get seats closer to the field. They literally came in and lifted up the stadium and put seats in underneath. So if you ever go to the stadium when it's empty, there's about 20 rows up. You can see there's a change in the stadium. So there's a, a real history to the stadium. However, with that said, what makes it special is the fan base, right. the whiteout, the, the crowd, the yep. noise, the student body involvement. And you can get all that in a new facility. So if it is a case where it's, all else is equal. I'm with you. Build a new stadium. And I know one of the issues is, gee, would they have to play somewhere else, tear that down? Right. But with all that land there, why can't they build the stadium you know, next door to it, play in the old Beaver Stadium till the new one is done? Perhaps there's something I don't know about that. Hopefully someone can explain it to me. But we shall see. I got a feeling... Whatever they do, it's not going to happen real soon anyway, Andy. That is it for quarter one, number one and the news. Stick around. Ross comes in for quarter number two. This is Jim from Keystone Sports. You know, a lot has changed about State College, but one thing that hasn't is W.C. Clark's Coffee Roasters on Calder Way. 30 different varieties of specialty coffee beans sourced from over 25 countries and roasted with love each morning in Happy Valley for over 45 years. We'll ship our fresh roasted coffee from our doorstep to yours. That's right. You can now order online at statecollegecoffee.com. So go to statecollegecoffee.com and use discount code KSN at checkout.